another episode of Vertical Momentum. Guys, this is going to be a fun episode. Um, and I love to have people on that I think I can just gel and jam with. And I think it's going to be a great episode. But I just want to thank our sponsors. First of all, without you, this show would not be what it is today. As you guys know, I love iced coffee. And I'm actually drinking a iced coffee by a young lady her, her company's name is soldier girl coffee it's all veteran owned 100 percent. and now they also have coffee that is in, laced with cbd if you need to relax while having your coffee definitely check out soldier boy coffee i mean soldier girl coffee guys this is going to be a great episode with my friend jeff he does he's everything that i would love to be i mean he does voiceover work he worked with he specializes work with open older people like myself so this is going to be fun if you're over 50 you're definitely going to want to get a pen and paper out because this is this is going to be right up your alley jeff my brother how are you well i'm fine i had my iced coffee with cbd so i'm very relaxed there you go are you in your pajamas though um i am nobody's seeing are they rich nope this is just audio baby okay (laughs) okay So what's how is your day going? My day is going well. As you alluded to, I have a podcast which is called Looking Forward. We can talk about that more in a little bit, but I try very hard to get my episodes edited and posted on Thursdays. Well, actually edited before Thursday, posted on Thursday. So I have been working on editing the episode that I will post tomorrow. See, that's amazing. And that's what makes us all different because for me, there is zero editing. <laughs> it's one, it's 100% live. So whatever you say, it's going out there into social media land. And I publish six episodes a week. Wow. So, Every yep one one a day and two on Monday, so uh, this like I said, it's just it's one hundred percent live recording. So whatever we talk about, that's what goes out. Well, so. I commend you, Rich, for doing that. I, I it I and mean, one of the things that's really wonderful, as you again kind of reference there about podcasting, is that there is no one right way. If you have any listeners that either have or are thinking about having a podcast, that's a very important thing for them to know. You put your own personality and your own interests into it. It's a very creative exercise. Yep. And for me, you know, like I tell everybody, it's it's just like two brothers sitting down and having a cup of coffee. So nothing is scripted. I don't have any certain questions. I just roll with it. And whatever happens, happens. Of course, I had to do my due diligence and find all about you. But, you know, I don't ever send questions. It's just, it, whatever we talk about, we talk about. Now, it sounds like you have a nice Italian accent. So where <laughs> are you from? <laughs> yeah, I think... Unfortunately, that tends sometimes to get in the way of voiceover success because I am from Philadelphia. I, I don't know that I have an Italian accent. No. That's, that may be a first, but I certainly have been told many times, Rich, that I have a Philly accent, which I cannot deny because I grew up in Northeast Philadelphia. 
And as much as probably people from the deep south or Boston may not think that they have an accent because this is just the way they speak and oftentimes it's the way the people around them speak, we do in fact often have non-neutral accents and it's very hard to try to change that. Yeah, and now because you're from Philly, you know, I've I've I'm from Jersey, so uh, okay. We, we used to go to a lot of the games in Philly. Yeah, and I've never seen anybody, anybody, any stadium ever actually pelt Santa with snowballs <laughs> at, at Eagles game. I was like, wow, you, Philadelphia people are a totally different breed of individual. You know, and I'm going to tell you something about that, Rich. I may be wrong. I, I can't say this with certainty. You, th you think I would. But I believe I was at that game. Oh, really? And I say that because I had a dear uncle, may he rest in peace, who was what I referred to as my sports father. My father, may he rest in peace, was a wonderful man, a World War II vet by the way, God bless you. but he wasn't that into sports. And my uncle was big time into sports. And so starting from when I was a young boy, he would take me to games and he would buy season tickets to Eagles games when they used to play at Franklin Field. For those of you who yep. aren't from Philadelphia, that's where the University of Pennsylvania football team plays and my uncle would would take me there and that i think happened when i was at one of the games so uh you're bringing me back quite a memory there see and you know like one thing i you know because like i go to a lot of places in jersey and they'll say oh we have philadelphia cheesecake cheesesteaks and i'm like no you don't get it if you don't have one of the street vending um cheesesteaks in philly then you're not really eating a Philadelphia cheesesteak. If you don't have a heart attack right after you eat a cheesesteak, <laughs> it's not a real Philadelphia cheesesteak. No, I agree. I agree. I had a I had a guest on. It's so funny you should say that, Rich. I had a guest on, Dr. Cheryl Woodson, on Looking Forward a couple of weeks ago. And Dr. Cheryl Woodson is a retired geriatrician and also an author. And one of her expertises happens to be caregiving, helping take care of an older relative, whether you are old yourself or it's your mother or father. And many of us, including myself, have been in that position. But when we started this conversation on looking forward, Cheryl is a native Philadelphian who is now living in Chicago. And she started the conversation by saying, you know, I can't find a good steak here in Chicago for love or money. I got to get back to Philly. Yeah, see, they're known for, you know, they're, they're known for some amazing things. Now, tell us, you know, because we're going to hop in the Wayback Machine. Uh, tell us what Jeff was like as a little boy. Well, it's interesting you asked that, Rich, because... What I find is what I'm doing now with my life 
And this is something I'd like to pass along to your listeners if they haven't thought about it before. Now, Jeff, this is not my listeners. This is our listeners, brother. We're, I'm sorry. We're okay. in this together, brother. Okay, boy, that's scary. I'm going to have another cup of that uh, iced coffee <laughs> from Soldier Girl. By the way, I remember Soldier Boy, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole other story. I'm going back. But anyway, what I have learned, and I heard this from somebody probably a year ago, Rich, and it's so true. You asked me about me as a little boy, is the things that I am now doing with my life in part, I mean, there's a lot of aspects of my life, but certainly the voiceovers, I do a lot of interviewing, I do podcasting, which is separate from some professional interviewing. That all relates to Jeff as a boy. Jeff as a boy was very interested in, I'd say, four things. Sports, music, and girls. And hold, on, hold on one second. I got to ask because uh, I'm a big music guy. Uh, what was what like when I when I was growing up? And my my grandmother um, actually babysitted Frankie Valley. So oh I was, my goodness! I was, so I was big into you know the doo wops, the Temptations, and stuff like that. What were some of your earliest influences? Oh, late fifties is when I started. My dad got me a tape recorder, a reel-to-reel tape recorder. And I used to tape all the quote-unquote rock and roll music off the radio. So you can go back to the Capris and There's a Moon Out Tonight or Purple People Eater or Frankie Avalon with Itsy Itsy Beanie, Itsy Weenie, Itsy Weenie, (laughs) Polka Dot Bikini, and then right on through the 60s with, of course, Motown. Oh, my goodness. Motown. I love that. My, my favorite group is the Temptations. Temptations are a great group. And if anybody hasn't seen the Motown movie that Barry Gordy was involved with, it's a, it's a great movie. So that music, The Four Seasons, I remember getting an album, The Four Seasons. Oh, geez. It was like a, a battle. Was it the Four Seasons versus the Beatles? It was some, the Four Seasons versus somebody. I don't think it was the Beatles, but we got this album, this friend of mine and I. So all of that stuff, all through the 60s, all through the 70s, and I would say probably, and this is likely true of a lot of people, Rich, after I got married and certainly after we had children, I wasn't paying as much attention to that kind of music. I also loved and still love classical music. And um, I also love movie themes. I just sent some movie themes out to some friends of mine because I've always loved movie themes. My dad got me into all that stuff. You remember I talked about my uncle in sports? Yep. My father had a lot of influence on me too, but it wasn't in sports. It was in these other areas. But I just want to make this point. I don't want to lose sight of this. As a boy, I mentioned those three things, but the fourth thing was I just love announcing and interviewing people. And I would take, and you're maybe old enough to remember this, I would take a Vitalis bottle. Wow. In my bedroom, it was on my bureau. My bedroom, Rich, was about as big as a, as a large, very large phone booth. But who knew, right? I don't know. That was, that was my bedroom, very large phone booth. And I would take this Vitalis bottle 
and I would constantly be announcing games because I had these imaginary leagues and I'd be playing these games in these leagues, football leagues. I think I called it the Professional Champions League and they all had teams in my notebook, my composition book, and I'd be announcing that. And when my dad got the reel-to-reel recorder, I started to use the microphone that came with a WebCore reel-to-reel recorder and I would interview my parents' friends who had come over and my friends. And I remember my parents' friends would get such a kick out of this. And the point I want to make here is that our listeners, some of them may have a passion that they have disconnected from or maybe relegated to the side of their lives. There's never been a better time for me than than now to reconnect with those things. And that's why I'm doing some of the things that I mentioned that, that you mentioned, Rich, is because this is really who I am. So those were the things, I guess, that I was like as a boy. I played a lot of sports. My best sports were baseball and the best one was ping pong. Ping pong. Yeah, my dad made two tables. He was very handy, my father. And he made two tables. The second one was inside. The first one kind of got warped from being outside. But the second one was inside. We had an extra room in the house. And I used to be playing ping pong all the time. I wound up being on the ping pong team in high school. And my partner and I... Uh, at the time in ping pong, were undefeated in 12th grade. We were pretty good together. But when we played separately, he and I, he'd always beat me, like 21 to 19, 21 to 18. I couldn't beat the guy. Ping pong, ping pong must have made you a chick magnet. <laughs> well, I wish. <laughs> I wish. I had my ups and downs with being a chick magnet. That's for sure. Now, did you go to college after high school? I sure did. I started out with uh, I started out by going to Penn State. We had a uh, a campus called Abington, which was a which is a suburb of Philadelphia. And now, in recent times, they changed their name. To, actually, they're they're Abington now. They were Ogons when I went there. Okay. And so I went to Penn State Ogons now Abington for two years. And I majored in psychology, and I decided that I didn't want to go away for the next two years. I preferred staying at home, and I wound up transferring to Temple, and I majored in radio, TV, film, surprise, surprise, in communications there. Temple's an amazing school, too. I love love Temple, by the way. Yes, Temple is a very good school. And, you know, one thing I think it's pretty cool, you know, especially now that I've, I've been podcasting now only two years, but we're, I think we're up to like almost 300 episodes. That's great. But, you know, but I think a lot of it has to do with psychology and um, just how to talk to people. And I think a lot of um, people in, in, in the younger generations are having problems where like me and you, we could just go sit down somewhere have a Philly cheesesteak and some Coke and just sit down and talk where I think a lot of uh, the people that are up and coming, they really don't know how to converse, conversate. Everything is through text, through email, 
you know, they don't know how to do the eye to eye and, and uh, conversational style like we can do, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's a real challenge. And I feel blessed that even though I can avail myself of those technologies now, Rich, as I need them, that I didn't have them growing up. And even though, and I'm sure our listeners would probably, at least some of them share this too, even though growing up, I had to deal with some very tough times, I would never want to change what life was like for me growing up. And it certainly had to do with a lot of playing on the street, in the back, in the backyard, in the driveways, and in my house and in my friends' houses. And I'm not sure how much of that goes on anymore. I don't live in a row home anymore. I live in a townhouse. For many years, I lived in a single home, but I grew up in a very modest row home in Northeast Philadelphia. And there were probably 60 families on the block. And you really couldn't hide. <laughs> and so I think that and just perhaps genetically what I got from my, my parents has made me always very comfortable with people. And going back to what you said, I, I wonder if those kids who were not genetically endowed as such aren't going to have or aren't already having a challenge in communicating with people, especially people they don't know. Yeah. Now, definitely, I want to ask you a question because I don't, I don't want to date yourself, but I got to figure it out. <laughs> what year did you graduate college? I graduated college in June of 1973. Okay, because the reason I'm thinking, you know, because, you know, you said you, gra- you went to school for TV, film, and, and I'm thinking, you know, now we're recording this J- June 2nd of, you know, 2021. Yeah. How much has changed over the last you know, 40, 50 years with film and TV. So talk to us about some of the things, you know, that you actually learned in college. Talk to us about it. I'm pretty, I'm really interested in that. Well, when I transferred over to Temple, there were some things that were happening that are still happening today. For example, I remember a great professor Professor Sterling, talking, speaking about, there goes my Philly accent, talking. Oh, what are you going to do? Anyway, speaking about consolidation occurring in the media, in communications, that networks, I'm talking radio and to some extent TV, but I remember radio, maybe newspapers, being bought out by some large chains. So that was happening back then. Also, what has changed is I remember when I had my student project, I or one of my student projects, Rich, I had to make a film. And to make that film, I used a Super 8 camera. Wow. Uh, And that kind of a camera and that kind of film is no longer with us and hasn't been for years. And certainly, I remember the audio project I did, I had to do that on a cassette tape. So 
I think the tools of communication were much more primitive and limited back then. And see, this is, of course, the yin and the yang about advancement. The positive side is, look at these wonderful tools we have today, Rich, in communications that we didn't have in the early 70s that enable you and I to have this conversation. And I had an episode that I taped the other night with a guy in Australia who said, I hope you enjoy the rest of your yesterday because he was already into the next day when we had our conversation. Yeah. So uh, the tools that we have today and the instantaneous nature of communication clearly are things we didn't have back then. But now, you know, I also think, you know, cause like I remember there were certain songs in my mother's record collection where um, you knew where the skip was going to be. Yes. Because there was, you know, there might've been a scratch on the, on the, on the record. Yes. So even, you know, 30, 40 years later, you hear a song and you're like, wait a minute, the skip is supposed to be right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had them on my albums too. I had some of those skips. So, you know, I think, you know, with, you know, CDs and now everything download, a lot of people are not going to be able, but I think vinyl, vinyl's making a, a big comeback for some reason, you know? Vinyl is making a comeback. Now, I'll, I'll share something with our listeners that was one of the many great things that my podcast expert, I mean, he's an expert on podcasting, James Crid, Cridland, shared with me uh, the other night. And, and that is that people today are listening less to radio, particularly young people, because of something that we didn't have back in the early 70s, and that is on-demand listening. And younger people today, James says, the studies show, the data shows, they want to listen to their audio on-demand. And radio, typical radio, is not on demand. Yep. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, podcast is the new radio. Yes, you exactly. Know? Exactly. So, you know, I think audio, you know, I'm a big Gary V guy. We've, we're friends. We talked a couple of times and he said, you know, the, the, the next couple, you know, the next two, three years, audio is going to be king. Cause now, you know, like even on my podcast, I'm so blessed. Um, mostly be, it's all because of my guests It's never because of me. But it's great. I can be cooking, you know, my wife be cooking dinner and I can say Amazon play, you know, vertical momentum. And my podcast is on Amazon or iHeart. It's amazing, yeah. you know, and a lot of this stuff is free to where, you know, if you want to become a podcaster, you don't have to spend a lot of money, you know. And I think a lot of people get bogged down in it and they, they don't start it because they think, oh, well, it's, it's too expensive to start a podcast. And it really isn't, you know. Yeah. And I think that you exemplify that because I think that you have really simplified the process. I, on the other hand, have a more complex process, and I'm not saying it's better or worse, 
but it is more complex in that I do not do shows live and I also have to do editing. And editing is not the most fun part of doing a podcast. But to your point, absolutely, podcasting is really becoming the new radio. And that's one of the things that I find is so exciting about living is, while it's 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 scary, Rich, change can be very exciting and evolution of things can be very exciting. And you think you think you're living in a time as I did growing up and I think as you did as a baby boomer, when we're kind of making it all happen. We're doing it. We're the people, right? It's we're the we generation. We're creating all these things. And it's kind of like, well, after that, nobody's going to be creating anything. There's not going to be anything new that we didn't create. But the reality of it is there's always innovation out there. And thank goodness there is always innovation. It really is what makes life exciting. Yep. The the only the only caveat with that is that as you well know and our listeners will know, sometimes technology can be used in bad ways. That's that's the only downside of that. Now, and, you know, I don't know if you know this, but the reason why I do mine this way is because I'm 80% blind. Oh, I didn't know that, Rich. So it's able. I'm able to do this a lot easier. And one of the reasons why I, I have a friend, he's like, I'll do your editing. I'm like, no, keep everything in. He's like, why? I said, because when I was a kid, I would always watch the football. Uh, I would always get the videotapes back to back. Remember VHS back then? Yes. All the football bloopers. Yes. I always liked the interviews that always went sideways. Because <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was the fun part. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Just leave everything in. Whatever yeah. happens, happens. And, and, and people sometimes will get a laugh at it if I stammer, if I, you know, if I can't get my thoughts together because I have a traumatic brain injury, you know? So that's yes. what I do it. And like you said, everybody has their own way of doing things and there is no right or wrong way to do it. That's right. And I don't know if we're going to get into this. There's 15 different different directions we can go. Yeah. And like but, I said, who, two I, brothers is having a cup of coffee. So who knows where it's going to go? Yeah. But I was going to say at some point, perhaps now, uh, not now, but some point during this conversation, I could speak a little bit more to that subject about getting into a podcast. Uh, and certainly you could too, and maybe you, you have done that previously. Yeah, pop, yeah we'll, we'll do it right now. Um, so like I said, you know, I love podcasts. Um, now I find that I, I'm listening to more and more of them. Um, and there are certain people that I like and there are certain people, certain people that I used to like, and I kind of grown out of them. So for me, it's, I kind of, I like to learn and I'm learning more about um, mindset. I'm learning more about reprogramming the brain. So those are the things that I'm interested in. So talk to us about podcasting, brother. Well, I can say quite a few things. First of all, at the macro level, I can say that the, um, the amount of listening to the spoken word, which I guess would include not only podcasting, but maybe all news stations and so forth, has gone up dramatically. I've got the figure from James Cridmore, the podcasting expert the other night, 
30% growth, whereas listening to music on audio is going down. So that's sort of at the macro level. And, and podcasting itself is a worldwide phenomenon. And I'm going to put a little teaser out there, Rich. I'm allowed to put a teaser, right? Yep, you can do it, talk about whatever you want to talk about. Okay, I was going to say if, among other things, our listeners are interested in hearing what two countries have the highest percentage of podcast listeners within their populations, they can tune in to Looking Forward. But to get off the self-promotional bandwagon, let me say this, Pod, to get into podcasting, as you alluded to, Rich, is not that difficult. And certainly you've proved it by not using video, by not editing and doing what you're doing. And I commend you greatly for what you're doing. What individuals need to consider, among other things, is is there something that they are passionately interested in? Because podcasting, A, is about niches. It is about niches. And you know what? If your audience is only 100 people, but you are passionate about that subject, and you're not looking to become a super successful like Joe Rogan in podcasting, that's fine. A podcast is a way for you to verbalize and exchange information with people who have a similar interest to yours in whatever that area is. But the other reason it's very important to have a passion about something if you're going to get involved in podcasting is it takes a commitment yeah. It takes time. Mm -hmm. It is effort. And the older we get, the more we have to make these difficult trade-offs in how we're going to use our precious time. So if you think that it's going to be a slam dunk to do a podcast, I will tell you it's not quite, but it can be almost a slam dunk as long as you can master whatever technology you need to to get into podcasting. You figure out what your passion is. But to stay with it, I think James was talking about, um, he, didn't, he didn't give me a, a number on this, but a substantial number of people who start a podcast after a year, they're out of there. They're well, out of there. Numbers, uh, you know, I, I, I've been, I do, I've been doing a lot of research. Like our podcast, this podcast we're talking on is in the top five percent in the world. Wonderful. But you know, there's like two point one million podcasts out there, but only one million of it is actually active, and the average podcast does not go past eight episodes because people realize, wait a minute, it's work. You know, like even though like I don't do editing, you know, but I do promote everywhere. You know, it go like when your episode is going to go out on ten different platforms, including you. YouTube. You know, so it it is a lot of work finding guests and trying to, you know, finding the right guests because you just don't want to have anybody on the show. 
but one thing that I love about having a podcast now I'm a ninth grade dropout. Um, and, and, but you know, I've done, I I did over 20 years in the military, but you know, even though I was only a ninth grade dropout and I've read over 5,000 books and now I get to interview great individuals like yourself on my show and I can ask them anything that I want. So I'm actually getting a business degree for free just because I have a podcast. <laughs> so now I'm actually, you know, able to interview General Petraeus, you know, eight and nine figure earners just because, you, you know, when you have a, um, a, a podcast, you do have a platform. And if once people start realizing podcasts is another platform, kind of like ABC, CBS, NBC. And once you realize that you have a platform, that's when your mindset can change because that's when more and more people want to come on your show because they see that podcasting is the new radio. You know what I mean? Yes, I, I know what you mean. And I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> since, since I know that you don't edit your podcast, and since I now know how popular your podcast is, I just want to set the record straight. I have nothing against the use of CBD, but I do not use it in my coffee or elsewhere. Well, see, the good thing is, because um, like everybody knows that on my show, I'm in recovery. You know, I've been sober, clean and sober for 32 years. Good so for I, you. I don't use any any CBD products. And I have a lot of people that want to sponsor me. And I tell them, well, I can't use the product. I'll drink, I'll drink all the regular coffee you want in the world. Send it yes. to me. But I do not use CBD myself. Yeah. So, and you know, I have like 20 different sponsors on my show. Wow. And, and it's all because of, you know, if I don't use a product, there's no way I'm going to promote a product. Well, you good know? good for you, Rich. That that's terrific. I, I strongly commend you for that. I, I have the same attitude about that. So talk and I you. even take that to guess. I don't want like um, my marketing assistant was saying to me something about I'm trying to, oh it was um oh, I can't think of it now the thing where the new smoking thing what is that called uh, Vape, not, vaping thank you and he and he said I want to get you on this vaping show and I apologize if you're listening to this and you have a vaping show or a vaping show but I said you know what I don't want to be on a vaping show that's just not you know, and I don't want to have a guest on. I'm not, you know, if people want to do that stuff and talk about it, it's great. It's just not for me, you know? No. So now what prompted you to start your own podcast? Boy, is that a good question? Well, I'll tell you what prompted me. I was especially excited by voiceovers. If I could do nothing else business-wise, I would probably just do voiceovers. I got my equipment. I learned how to use Audacity, my software, set up my studio, got trained, and have auditioned for had auditioned for jobs and found it was, it's a very difficult business. 
Now, you were trained by some serious professionals, even somebody that worked with the amazing Mel Blanc. That is correct. So talk to us about going to school for being, you know, because a lot of people, they they fall into the voiceover work. How what made you decide to go to school for learning about voiceover? Well, it wasn't it wasn't really school. I I drove actually from where I live now, which is um, in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, near Longwood Gardens and the state of Delaware, the mushroom capital of the United States, if anybody wants to know that. And I used to drive to Northeast Philadelphia. This is probably five, six years ago. And I would go to this guy's house, the, the, the man who had trained, who worked with Mel Blank, and I would go there for lessons. I only had about five lessons. We never got into the technical aspects. We only did a little bit of the reading scripts. Subsequently, because of this wonderful medium, we have the computer that allows us to do these sorts of things and technology. I had some lessons with a guy by the name of Tommy Griffiths, who is a very successful voiceover artist, and that we did through Zoom. So that that was the, the training. Most of my training, though, was online classes that I bought and also listening to YouTubes and, of course, the School of Hard Knocks. So I was doing that for about two years or so, Rich. And I guess I, I thought to myself, I'd been, well, I'd been thinking to myself, I might want to resurrect in conjunction with the voiceover, since I now had the studio and I knew how to use the technology, I might want to resurrect my expertise from a part of my career, which you alluded to, which is marketing to people over 50, and might want to have a podcast about baby boomers. And so for quite a while, I was stewing in my mind the idea of having a podcast about baby boomers. And then I made a decision. It was like one of these aha moments. I don't want to continue to have to be a subject matter expert anymore like that. That was very challenging. I did it for years. Being an expert on a specific topic, you really have to keep up to speed on what's going on. And so I decided rather than me being the expert, I would interview experts. And in my book, Successful Marketing to the 50 Plus Consumer, I, the hardest chapter that I wrote was about the future. It was called Marketing to the quote-unquote Mature Consumer in the 21st Century. And I wrote that in 1988, came out in 89. And that was all about looking into the future and trends. And I know I have this fascination with looking into the future, with where the opportunities are going to be. I even have a fascination, although I haven't really invested much money in this, penny stocks, because they're oftentimes looking into the future. And I'm not advising anybody to willy-nilly invest in penny stocks, but I'm just interested in trends and opportunities and the future. And so I got this idea, it hit me, 
why don't I start a podcast where I'm interviewing people? I like to say like what you're doing, Rich, I'm conversing with people. I'm conversing with people about trends, opportunities, and the future. And so it all came together a year ago. It's a year ago that this came together. And the biggest initial hurdle was learning how to do the technology aspect of it, like downloading episodes and, you know, all this stuff. And I didn't even have a website at that point. So I had to get a website. And I'm fortunate I have a wonderful audio engineer, a young guy who trained me on Audacity, the software, and how to upload and download and all that stuff. My daughter helped me with the website. And that's what got me going. And, you know, when I started, I don't know about you, Rich, but when I started, I really didn't know how long I was going to do it. Because when you start, you don't even know if you're going to have anybody get on the show. Now, after you're Rich Kaufman and you've done like 300 episodes or whatever, by the way, I'm going to be 115 when I hit 300 episodes. I just want you to know. But anyway, you know, if you're if you're somebody like Rich Kaufman and we all have to start somewhere. So you at some point established that you had this podcast and it became a little bit easier to get people on. Well, I didn't know who I was going to get on. And my audio engineer said, Jeff, line up about four or five of these, have them ready to roll out so that you don't come out there with one and then you're looking around to find somebody. And that was very good advice he gave me. And so that's what I did. I, I recorded about four or five episodes and that got me going. And the rest, as they say, is, has been history. But I, I'm, I'm coming close. I, like I said, I'll be 115 when I reach your level. I'm coming close to having 50. And that will be a little bit more than a year it'll take me because I do weekly, but I skipped a few holiday weekends. So I want to track that 50, and I never imagined I would have 50. That's amazing. Yeah, know. and I, because the guests, finding the guests I thought would be really challenging. Well, you know what I find now is, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, they sleep on LinkedIn. They don't realize how powerful LinkedIn is. You know, I'm a Amen. big fan. Uh, Amen. You know, and what I do is the way I get a lot of my guests. I mean, I'm not that, and I don't, I don't I try not to curse on my show, but it's okay because it's my show. Yeah. Uh, I try not to be that asshole. Yeah. That'll be like, hey, Jeff, I have the number eight veteran podcast in the world. I think you should come on. Yeah. You know, or I'll, I'll, when I, you know, like when I reached out to you, I was like, you know, Jeff, I would love to have you on to talk about your journey and your mission. You know, would you have, do the, me the honor of coming on the show? And I think a lot of people are more apt to respond in a way like that. And then from there on, you know, like your friends are going to see all going to see your episode and they'd be like, hey, maybe I want to be on the show or I might listen to one of your like what I did is when I first started out. Um, I, I want to tell you about this podcast before my, I lose it. I, I'll forget about it. Um, it's it's called The Upside of 40. Uh, definitely check him out. Um, the guy used to be an announcer in the WWF. His name yeah. was Sean Mooney. Yeah. And, he has a, and uh, so definitely check him out. That was one of the first podcasts that I was ever on that actually went nationwide. But wow. um, my point is, you know, that 
once you people start seeing you and you start looking for opportunities to get people on your show, you know, th- I think things starts changing a lot because eventually you'll start getting people, you know, they'll start saying, hey, Jeff, I would love to come on your show. So, you know, after a while, you're not even going to have to go out searching for guests. They're going to search out for you. And then that's when you're going to have to weed out the ones that you want on your show and the ones that you don't want on your show. But now also. That's you know, an excellent point, by the way. Excellent point. And, you know, I, I, I love people like yourself um, and show and shows that you that you've put out because I've checked I've checked them out and I, I like your interview style. But now there's Thank also you. I've had people on my show. My wife listens to every episode that I record and, and I and I put out and she's like some of some of them just flow. You know, that you, like me and you, we just have that conversation where we could just BS. Yes. <laughs> Some of them are like pulling teeth, you know, <laughs> and you're like, what? I thought it was going to be this amazing interview. And it's like, wow, it's only 32 minutes. You know, I, I know. It, I know exactly what you mean. Just to jump on that one, Rich. I'm I just taped, as I alluded to, my 45th with this wonderful guy, James Crid- Cridland the expert on podcasting. I think you'll find that one of interest too, by the way, and I'm sure our listeners would. Well, I'm going to start out right after I get off of this. So Yes. I Well, I'm posting it tomorrow. Okay. But but, but I want you tomorrow. to know that... Um, and if you can, if you don't mind, if you, if you could just tag me, because I would love to watch it. Yes. So, but I was going to say, of the 45 that I've done, I would say that I have had less than a less than a handful maybe three that i personally considered dogs okay and that's because i didn't find the guest personality to be all that warm and friendly i mean they were more business like and but what i i will say is surprisingly <laughs> my most popular episode as far as i can determine with downloads and I'm not going to get into specifics of how many downloads or who it was. That was one of what I thought was my dogs. <laughs> so my guess is it's because that person has a very good following. And that person also has somebody else whose job it is to promote that person. And I think it was that other person promoting that this guest was on the show that probably contributed to that. You know, and I think a, a reason, you know, because we're still going to still talk about podcasting a little bit. You know, I think the reason why a lot of people quit, um, I almost quit a couple times because you become obsessed sometimes with watching numbers. You know, you're looking at downloads and, you know, you're looking at how many people listen to your show and we don't take it into the big picture. You know, like say if you like if if you've had ten thousand downloads total, imagine you sitting at a table on stage and there's ten thousand people around you. That's how many people have listened to you. So yeah. you are making an impact, even if you're not doing Joe Rogan numbers. You know, even if you're hitting a thousand, five thousand total downloads, that's five thousand people that took the time out of their day to listen to you. You know, so sometimes we get so bogged down with the numbers. That we're like, oh, I'm, I'm, if I don't hit my million downloads, I'm going to quit. And I think that's why that number is, you know, that 50% of podcasts are, are uh, 
out of business within, you know, the first eight episodes. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it, I think you're making a great point. And I would add to that, that is why it is so important that if our listeners have any desire to get into podcasting or are already in podcasting, that they need to, first of all, as I said before, pick something they're genuinely interested in, whether they would have a podcast or not. And the second thing is, and this is to me, one of the most exceptional benefits of podcasting or belonging to any club. And that is, you get to meet some great and interesting people. Like I'm meeting Rich Coffin, ladies and gentlemen. You see, you get to meet some really neat people. Yeah, and I meet some of my closest friends. Because for yeah, me, there I'm you go. And I know my girlfriend, who is very excited about me doing this. She doesn't want me to be obsessed by it. And I don't mean the numbers, just obsessed in terms of the time. But but one of the things she said to me the other day was just that, Rich. She said, you know, you're getting to talk to and meet some really neat people. And, and some of them, particularly if COVID were to become much, 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 much less of an issue, and we really get back to a more normal life, people that I might actually get together with for a cup of soldier girl coffee. There you go. See, like for me, like I tell all my guests, you know, when you come on the show is when the relationship just begins. You know, I'm the kind of guy I'm, I'm all about building generational relationships. So, you know, I think that's what makes me different than a lot of shows that, you know, I, cause I, I, I love making all new friends. So yes. now talk to us about, cause you know, I've talked to a lot of people like I'm, I'm 52. Um, I've talked to a lot, you know, a lot of the older generation and they ask, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a podcaster. And they're like, <laughs> well, what is that? Yeah. So how do we get the older generations to start listening to podcasts? Well, I don't know. Certainly James would know better what percentage of older people are listening to podcasts. But I would say that this is an evolutionary kind of a thing where each, I'll just say year, the number of listeners over 50 and 60 is going to continue to grow because people are, are at a point in their life where, now I'm talking about people here more so who aren't bogged down with the typical commitments of midlife, raising children, having a demanding full-time job, taking care of parents. But as you get to the point where you have a little bit more freedom and flexibility, you find yourself, hopefully, if you've got decent health, if you can hear well, you, you find yourself at a point where you can start living your life, as Frank Sinatra would say, my way, or at least more of my way. But again, the caveat there is you got to have good health and enough finances. And what that lends itself to is learning 
or focusing on things that are of interest to you. And I think that with each decade in ages, in age brackets, age segments, people are becoming more and more comfortable with using their computers and their smartphones. They're adopting things that they, that generations before them had not adopted. So I foresee if, and again, I don't know what the numbers are now, Rich, but I foresee tremendous growth in podcaster list, listenership among older people. And another reason I see that is because, again, it's a way for people, in one sense or another, to connect with other people of like interests. So I, I think podcasting itself, which was a term even I, who is somewhat plugged into things, as recently as five years ago, since I, I don't have Apple, you know, I never had an Apple phone, and I didn't have a smartphone until probably five years ago, I didn't really know what a podcast was myself. And I think we're going to find, and I, I'm getting close to 70 years of age, so I, I think we're going to find that older people and listening to podcasts is going to take care of itself quite well, thank you, and hopefully... Hopefully, you and people your age are going to have a lot of years ahead of you to listen to those podcasts. And, you know, I love that you wrote your book because um, a lot of people that are listening to this, you know, they want to write a book or they're like, you know what, I don't have a reason to write a book. But a lot of people don't realize, you know, that I've been I've been told by a lot of people that, you know, the word author comes from the word authority. <laughs> and once you write a book, you actually become authority on whatever you wrote that book about. Yes. So for you guys that are out there thinking about, I have no reason to write a book. Just think about that, that the word author comes from the word authority. Yes. So you want to be authority in whatever you're doing, write a book about it. Then when somebody says, well, what do you know about it? Then you can say, well, hey, I literally wrote the book on it. You know, yes. So talk to talk to us about your business and what you do with your business. Okay. Well, my business could potentially have four parts to it. One has had to be de one has had to be diminished, put on the shelf because there's really only time for a few things. So I would say right now, the three things that I really focus on are voiceovers, the podcast, and professional interviewing. And just to clarify, people hopefully listening to this understand what podcasting is, and they've gotten a little bit of information so far about looking forward my podcast. But beyond that, the voiceovers, for those who aren't familiar that's any time you're watching something or listening to something and you hear a voice, but you don't see the person. And it runs the gamut from that Siri or whatever device you're using to where you speak into it and it says something. That can be actually, that's actually a voiceover to movie trailers, to commercials, to documentaries, to voicemail, to narrative scripts 
to educational work that corporations might put out there, the trainings that are put out there. I mean, there's a, a wide range of voiceover genres. And more and more are happening all the time. I had a guest on David Cicerelli recently from Voices.com. People may want to listen to. David talks all about the industry and where it's going and opportunities and trends. The interviewing, I have work where somebody will contact me. Say, for example, one of my clients is a business broker. Excuse me, he's not a business, he's a lawyer. He's a lawyer that helps to sell businesses. So I work with the business broker, I interview them, I then edit that and send it over to the lawyer who is trying to sell that person's business. I have somebody else who's trying to promote his organization services and so he has me interviewing people who are in a particular industry. Right now, it happens to be accounting. And I interview them, kind of like what you're doing. I get a profile of that person. And that hopefully is going to lead to more business between that person I interviewed and the company that hired me to do the interview. So I love to do interviewing, as you obviously do. So that's not podcasting. It's just kind of. And then the other area that has been put on the shelf, although if anybody's interested, please contact me. It's only because of time. I have presented a six-hour program, Rich, called Being Lucky, It's No Accident. And it's based on sound principles that I've taken from research. Two great books have been a big part of that. And I've done this at the University of Delaware several times in sessions. So I didn't do six hours. I did an hour and a half, four weeks. And I almost got out there again in January, February, promoting being lucky. It's no accident. And I do... If you didn't notice it in my email signature, I say the luck instructor. But one of the challenges that we have, some of us, particularly if we have very active minds, creative minds, and if we have a little bit of what these days is called ADD, <laughs> is focus. <laughs> and so if I were to now push the being lucky, it's no accident component of what I want to do, I don't, I don't think I'd get any sleep and I know I'd lose my girlfriend. <laughs> so, uh, but that's, that's the other aspect of my business. So it's those three things plus the being lucky program. And, you know, I love, you know, I forget which athlete said it, but he said, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yes. And, and it might've been Yogi Berra, but he had so many of those little little uh, one-liners and quibs. Yeah. So I, I find that now that I've changed my routine, I've changed my, my morning routine and I changed my evening routine. Now, because what I do is I found a hack. If you guys are watching this, what I do is I, um, I work until my phone literally dies and then I plug it in and then I go do something else that makes me happy for the rest of that time. So as my phone is being charged, so I'm also being charged at the same time. Great. I but, love that. 
what I started doing is I started, you know, because I'm into this whole, I'm learning about mindset. So I'm like, you know what? Let me go back a hundred years. Let me see who some of the most, you know, the biggest mindset experts were back then and see if the if the stuff still applies today. And I've been listening to Napoleon Hill. Yes. Um, Dale Carnegie. Yeah, was, I love Dale Carnegie. He's my he's one of my heroes. You know, and I'm going, but the same success principles that they talked about in the 1920s are still applicable till today. So talk to us about getting lucky and making your luck. Okay. I'm going, I'm going to say a few words about that, but let me first also add, let me make a note luck. I don't want to lose that. Okay. What I want to first say to jump onto what you said, Rich, is that I actually on the side, this is not, a business. I'm a co-leader of a group in my area, in the northern Delaware and southeastern Pennsylvania area, that focuses on the ancient practice of Stoicism. And right now, we're reading a book called The Practicing Stoic by Ward Farnsworth, Professor Ward Farnsworth. And the important point that I want to make here is that not only are some of the things that Dale Carnegie said and Napoleon Hill said timeless, but you could go back to Marcus Aurelius and Seneca and other great philosophers and read some of the practical advice they gave 2,000 years ago, and it still makes sense today. As far as luck is concerned, one of the most important things I find is to A, recognize that when something happens to you that is not good from your perspective or perception, and everything is really about perspective and perception, that's, that's a whole other thing. When that happens to you, rather than getting caught up in it and getting paralyzed by it, you have to, at a minimum, think about what lesson you might learn from it. And even better, if you can go one step further, see that there might actually be a way to look at that misfortune in a more favorable way. And so, for example, one very difficult thing that happened to me in my life was I got divorced after 28 years of marriage. And I can happily say to you that my ex and I are very, very close. And we have two beautiful twin girls. And so everything has worked out as well as it could be. That divorce, as bad as it was, and it took time, Rich, opened up some doors for me that probably would never have opened if I never got divorced. Does that make sense to you? Oh, yeah. You know, like my, my, my big, you know, I don't know if you know the gentleman. Definitely, I, I would suggest looking him up if you don't know him. Um, he's my mentor. His name is Ed Milet. No, and I better that, write him down. He, he has like... The, the top five podcast in the world. Ed Milet. Yep. And he talks about how 
Um, everything that's ever happened to you has happened for you, not to you. And that everything is a teachable moment. And for me, that changed my life because, you know, when I, once I realized, you know, cause I've been, I've had a lot of failures, but once, once I realized that failure was an event, it's not a person, your whole life can change. Now I want you to listen to this quote. Um, and then I'll, you're probably going to know who it is, but just check this quote out for people that are out there that are listening and think, you know, okay, I failed at this and, uh, I'm not, I can't get any better or I can't do any better. Listen to this quote. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games, 26 times. I've been trusted to take the game winning shot and I missed, I failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you think about that, you know, that to, for people that are listening to this, failure is an event. It's not a person, but it can become a mindset if you do not change your mindset to a winning mindset. Right. And, and the other another thing about failure, and I agree entirely with what you said. Those are great points. And that Michael Jordan said, it doesn't surprise me. I, I often use the example of Edison, but th there are many examples. But, but the idea is, and I keep what I call my mistake journal, or actually I call my lessons learned journal. So when you make a mistake, when something doesn't work out right, if it's something that you can write down and think about, Write, write it down so that hopefully you won't do it again, but also write it down because it may also help you realize the thing that you need to do to correct course. And we, we always have to correct course with something in our lives. We always have to do that. We can always learn. The other thing I wanted to mention, Rich, in terms of just one of many luck points and principles or strategies is you really you really have to allow yourself to be aware of what's going on around you and i'll tell you what i mean by that if you're too caught up in your own thoughts if you're too self-absorbed you're going to miss certain things out there that could be great possibilities or opportunities for you and i'll give you an example that i give the students in the class and that is one day i think it was in new york there was a man who was walking and he wanted to sell his business he was uh, i think about to turn the ripe old age of 60. oh my god did i say i'm 70 going to be 70 rich Oh, anyway, he was about to turn, what does that make me? Anyway, he was about to turn the ripe old age of 60 and he had a jewelry uh, chain and his last name was Helsberg, Helsberg. And he's walking on the street and he's thinking, I'm, I'm ready to get out of this business. I want to sell it. And he happens to overhear this conversation ahead of him and one of the guys talks to the other guy, and he uses the word Buffett, as in B-U-F-F-E-T-T. -T. Anybody know who he is? Some poor guy, I think. 
some poor schlepper. So he, well, see, he's got his antenna up. He's paying attention to the world. And he goes over and he says, excuse me, Mr. Buffett. And he introduces himself. And one thing leads to another. And guess who buys the Hellsberg chain? You got it. Warren. Warren Buffett bought it. Just now, because he was being pre because he was being present. Just because he was being present. And you know, we we spend many of us, many of us. Obviously, there are a lot of exceptions. Far too much time thinking about our own navels. And I don't mean academy people. And we need to listen to hear and see and think about what's taking place around us, whether it's the person we're speaking with or listening to on a podcast or reading about or watching, because particularly for those who are interested in bettering their lives. Now, that doesn't mean making the next million or billion. That just means bettering their lives. It's very important to pay attention to what's going on around you far more than yourself. And that, I believe, is the ticket to disaster when you are self-absorbed. That's my lecture for the day. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, and I just want to, you know, there's a, I've been, like I said, I've been studying the mind a lot lately. And in our brains, there's a little part of our brain called the reticular activating system. And everybody's like, well, what does that mean? It's like, yeah. right, Dave, if you bought a blue Chevy, all of a sudden you pull out of the dealership and all you see is blue Chevys everywhere because your mind starts focusing on that. So w once you start using that system in your mind and you start looking for ways for to be wh whether it's to get more business and you start focusing on it, your mind will bring more things to it. And, you know, like um, I'm talking about Napoleon Hill and, and Mr. Carnegie, you know, they were talking about that your obsessions will eventually become your possessions. Yes. I, and so, and so <laughs> the, the adage there is be careful what you think about. Yeah, definitely. Be careful what you think about. Uh, all right. So last thing I want to talk about is, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I was talking to a gentleman yesterday and we were talking about how, you know, the world is, pivoting and how you know because of covid a lot of people got laid off but because of covid now you know like i'm in new jersey so they're starting to lift the restrictions and a lot of companies are starting to gear back up again so you know there's a lot of people out there over 50 that may be wanting to maybe make a change in their career or in their life and so what are your uh, what do you tell people that you talk to and eight, you know, people like me over the age of 50 that want to start changing their career or just changing, you know, some of the, maybe they learned from the, from the whole, um, the whole sickness that, you know, maybe they're thinking that family is more important that, you know, being a CEO of a company is not worth their life and their family. So what do you say to 50 year old, old over 50 that are looking to make changes in their lives? Well, 
I think that first of all, people need, now I, this is going to sound contradictory to what I just said, but I think in this case, it's warranted. People need to do a little bit of self-examination. Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living. We need not to be on autopilot. People need to step back, and this is one time you can look at your navel, and think about what are you unhappy with in your life? What would you like to change, whether it be your job, your career, your relationships, your financial situation? You first have to take stock to understand. The, the second thing is you need to then start looking at specific actions, small steps, not gigantic ones, that you can take to make changes that move you in that direction. If you think in terms of trying to make gigantic, take gigantic steps, you're going to falter. And as you're plotting out each step, you need to do what you've done, Rich. You need to avail yourself of learning. You need to listen to YouTubes. We have so many ways of getting information these days. That's actually the yin and yang there. We have so many ways. You, there's so many YouTubes with incredible information, Re, so many great resources. The, the library, whether it's online or in person, post-COVID, you have books that are audio now. You have podcasting. There are still some good radio shows. There's TV shows. There's plenty of ways that you can get strategies and ideas without spending a lot of money on how you can make changes. There are groups you can join, some for free and not for free. And so you come up with a plan, but you only move forward in baby steps, realizing always the single most important thing is your health. Yep. Without your health, none of it matters. That's got to be priority number one. So if you're somebody out there who's got health issues or could be a bomb ready to explode because of your health condition, that's the number one thing I would tell people to focus on. Nothing happens without good health. And so after you take care of your health, if you've got that in order, then you think of what's the next thing you can do. And if you have good health, and of course we could get hit by a car tomorrow, nobody knows. So all you're doing is improving your odds, but anything can happen at any time. That's sort of, in, sort of what the Stoics say, is we don't have control over what's outside of us. They call it the dichotomy of control. We can only control what's inside of us, how we think, how we feel, how we behave. So we recognize that. But at that point, you, can, you realize that if you have good health, you are putting yourself in a position. Let's say you're 50 years old, Rich, you're, or 52 like you. You could have easily 
unless something unexpected and awful happens, 30 plus years of life easily. That gives you a lot of time. So if you've always wanted to take up podcasting, if you've always wanted to play the piano, if you've always wanted to become a better ping pong player, if you've always wanted to have more friends, there's time. There's time. And you have to act as if you have time, but you also have to be judicious with your time. Don't waste it. Seneca talks a lot about how people live a whole life and they've wasted most of it on doing fruitless, unproductive things. And that's not to say that a guy like Rich Kaufman, who, un, who charges his phone and recharges himself by doing fun things, isn't doing a productive thing. That very act of you're doing things that have nothing to do with your phone and podcasting is a productive thing in your life if it's enjoyable and nurtures and nourishes you. I love it. Now, my last two questions that I ask everybody, you know, we live in a crazy world. You know, we, we still live in a COVID world. You know, some parents lost their jobs, so they're driving Uber to put food in their kids' mouths. You know, grandparents are homeschooling some kids. So if I ask the average American to do something in seven days, uh, they're not likely to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So if somebody out there is looking to start their own podcast or start their own business, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to get some clarity? I have a very, very easy thing. It may not be as easy to actually come up with it, on the person's end, on your, our listener's end, but this is what it is. And it goes back to what I said earlier, Rich. If you, as a young child growing up, let's say a preteen, but it could be a teen, did something naturally and did it very well and you liked it, the odds are that you probably took that for granted. You didn't really pay much attention to it. Pay attention to it over the next 24 hours because therein lies the seeds of some joy and perhaps some new podcast or business venture or activity non-business for you. So to be more specific, in my case, I mentioned the things I did as a child. It's those were things I took for granted. Everybody can talk to people. Everybody can interview people. <laughs> everybody can announce. This is, you know, everybody can. No, no, not everybody can do that. I have one person who shall remain anonymous who would like me to do interviews for him, this person, because they hate doing that. They hate it. To me, it's like, you know, I'd almost do it for nothing. I guess in a way I, I have done it for nothing in my life, you know? So find what, think about what you did growing up. Find something you did with your time when nobody was telling you you had to do it, like you have to go to school. And Johnny, you got to study your math. And Johnny, you got to eat your vegetables. What did you just do? And... That could be a very important determinant 
of where you go from here. I love it. Now, brother, so how do we find you? How can we get in touch with you? How do we find your podcast? Okay, I'm going to give you that, but I want to say one other thing about you. But it's also about me. You are a veteran. And I want to thank you dearly for your service. And I want to let our audience know that I did work for the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs in the VA Healthcare Administration. I worked for what is called, although they may have changed their name since I left there, the VA Stars and Stripes Healthcare Network, which includes 10 hospitals, medical centers in the Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Delaware areas. And I was in communications, of course. So I, I would be remiss if I didn't thank you for being a veteran, Rich, and thank you for your service. And this being a time just after Memorial Day, it's a good time to make sure that we let or remind everybody about what you've done for your country. Thank you, brother. You're welcome. So now As, how do we find you? Okay. The ways to find me are going to be my website is www.jeff, J-E-F-F, dash, Ostroff, O-S as in Sam, T-R-O-F-F -F, as in Florida, Florida, dot com, www.jeff-ostroff.com. My podcast is called Looking Forward. It, make, it will come up, I believe, as looking dash forward. And I'm on Anchor and Apple and several other hosting sites. But I think there was already a looking forward. So mine is looking dash forward. And I'm also very much on LinkedIn. I echo your sentiments, Rich, entirely about LinkedIn. It's a wonderful tool that I didn't find until a year ago. I mean, really use it. I knew it was out there. So I'm on LinkedIn. And if anybody wants to email me, it's jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. And I would just add to all of this that if anyone is interested in having me audition for voiceovers, do their professional interviewing, or be a guest expert on my podcast or a sponsor, because I now have sponsors too on Looking Forward, please let me know. I love it. I would love to be able to come and hang out on your podcast sometime. Okay. Brother, I'm so grateful for you, and um, I'm grateful for your friendship. Thank you, Rich. Same here, and, and thank you for reaching out to me. You've been amazing, and this will go out in a couple of weeks, and so it's going to be out everywhere. But like I said earlier, you know, um, our friendship just begins today, and I'm very grateful for those that I have in my circle. Thank you, Rich, and, and kudos to you for what you're doing and not letting any barriers hold you back. And we all, we, we almost all, depending on our age, we almost all will have obstacles that will get in the way of our thinking we can do something. And you are another example, living proof, that we can 
still accomplish great things and still deal with whatever it is that may be an obstacle for us. I love it. And by the way, you know, I'm just always look, I always have to look forward. See what I did there. That's yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's um, a play on words, by the way. It's yeah. looking forward in two respects. One is I'm looking forward to being on Rich's podcast. And the other one is looking forward into the future. All right, my brother. Well, have an amazing weekend. Keep crushing it and kicking ass, brother. All right. Thanks a lot, Rich. You too. You have a great week. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.